Chapter Seven of My Doggy and I by Robert Ballantyne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Allison Hester. Chapter Seven. My circumstances begin to brighten. Robin said, "Old Mrs. Willis from her bed in the wheeziest of voices." Who's Robin, Granny? demanded the young slider in some surprise looking over his shoulder as he stooped at the fire to stir a pan of gruel you're robin returned the old lady following up the remark with a feeble sneeze i can't stand slider it's such an ugly name besides you ought to have a christian name child don't you like robin the boy chuckled a little as he stirred the gruel well I ain't had it long enough to have made up my mind on the point, but you may call me what you please, Granny, so long as you don't swear. I'll answer to Robin or Bobbin or Dobbin or Nobbin or Floggin. No, by the way, I won't answer to Floggin. I don't like that. But why call me Robin? Ah, sighed the old woman, because I once had a dear little son so named. He died when he was about your age, and your kindly ways are so like his that— Hello, Granny, interrupted Slider, standing up with a look of intense surprise. Are you took bad? No, why? Cause you said something about my ways that looked suspicious. Did I, Robin? I didn't mean to. But as I was saying, I'd like to call you Robin, because it reminds me of my little darling who is now in heaven. Ah, oh, Robin was so gentle and loving and tender and true and kind. He was a good boy. A wheezing which culminated in another feeble sneeze here silenced the poor thing. For some minutes after that, Slider devoted himself to vigorous stirring of the gruel and to repressed laughter, which latter made him very red in the face and caused his shoulders to heave convulsively. At last he sought relief in occasional mutterings. "'Only think,' he said, quoting Mrs. Willis's words in a scarcely audible whisper, "'so gentle and loving and tender and true and kind,' and such a good boy too and my kindly ways is like his are they well well mrs w it is quite clear that a lunatic asylum must be your native home after this what are you muttering about robin nothing particular granny only something about your future prospects the gruel's ready i think will you have it now or wait till you get it there even your little touches of humor you're so like him said the old woman with a mingled smile and sneeze as she slowly rose to a sitting posture making a cone of the bedclothes with her knees on which she laid her thin hands come now old woman said slider seriously if you go on joking like that you'll make me larf and spill your gruel perhaps let it fall bash on the floor there don't let it tumble off your knees now. I'd advise you to lower em for the time being. Here's the spoon. It ain't as bright as I wish, but you can't expect much of pewter. And the napkin. That's your sort. And the bit of bread, which isn't too much for a healthy appetite. Now then, Granny, go in and win. So like, 
murmured the old woman as she gazed in Slider's face. And it is so good of you to give up your play and come to look after a helpless old creature like me. Yes, it is very good of me, assented the boy with an air of profound gravity. I was used to sleep under a damp archway or in a wet cask. Now I slumbers in a house by a fire under a blanket. Once on a time I got vittles, anyhow. Sometimes didn't get em at all. Now I have em regular, as well as good and aught. And what poets call the days gone by, and nights too. Let me tell you, I was kicked and cuffed by everybody, and unted to death by bobbies. Now I'm let alone. Evenly condition, let alone. Sometimes even complimented with such pleasant greetings as go it ginger or does your mother know you're out oh yes granny i made great sacrifices i did when i come here to look arter you mrs willis smiled sneezed and began her gruel slider who looked at her with deep interest was called away by a knock at the door opening it he beheld a tall footman with a parcel in his hand does uh, mrs willis live here he asked no replied slider a mrs willis doesn't live here but the mrs willis the only one worth speaking of does ah replied the man with a smile for he was an amiable footman and i suppose you are young slider i am mr slider sir and i would have you remember said the urchin with dignity that every Englishman's house is his castle, and that neither inference nor flunkies has a right to enter. Indeed, exclaimed the man with affected surprise. Then I'm afraid this castle can't be a strong one, or it ain't well guarded, for inference got into it somehow when you entered. Good, good, returned the boy with the air of a connoisseur. That's worthy of the East End, you should have been one of us now then old six foot what's your business to deliver this parcel hand it over then but i'm also to see mrs willis and ask how she is walk in then and wipe your feet we ain't got a doormat today it's a coming like christmas but you may use the boards in the meantime the footman turned out to be a pleasant, gossipy man, and soon won the hearts of old Mrs. Willis and her young guardian. He had been sent, he said, by a Dr. McTougall, with a parcel containing wine, tea, sugar, rice, and a few other articles of food, and with a message that the doctor would call and see Mrs. Willis that afternoon. "'Deary me, that's very kind,' said the old woman, "'but I wonder why he sent such things to me.' and who told him I was in one of them? It was a young gentleman who rescued most of the doctor's family from a fire last night. His name, I believe, is Mellon. What? Dr. John Mellon? exclaimed Slider with widening eyes. Whether he's John or doctor, I cannot tell. All I know is he's Mr. Mellon, and he's been rather knocked up by... Oh, but bless me, I forgot. I was to say nothing about the, the fire till Dr. McTougall had seen you. How stupid of me, but things will slip out. He stopped abruptly and placed his brown paper parcel on the bed. Now I say, 
"'Look here, Mr. Sixfoot, or whatever is your name,' said Slider with an intense eagerness. "'It's of no use your tying up the mouth of the bag now. "'The cat's got out and can't be got in again by no manner of means. "'Just make a clean breast of it and tell it all out like a man. "'There's a good feller. "'If you don't, I'll tell Dr. McTougall that you gave me and the old lady "'a full, true, and particular account of the whole affair, "'from the first busting out of the flames and the calling of the engines.' To the last crash of the fallen roof and the roasting alive of the household cat. I will, as sure as you're a six-foot flunky. Thus adjured and threatened, the gossipy footman made a clean breast of it. He told them that I had acted like a hero at the fire, and then, after giving, in minute detail, an account of all that the reader already knows, he went on to say that the whole family, except Dr. McTougall, was laid up with colds that the governess was in a high fever, that the maid-servants, having been rescued on the shoulders of firemen from the attics, were completely broken down in their nerves, and that I had received an injury to my right leg, which, although I had said nothing about it on the night of the fire, had become so much worse in the morning that I could scarcely walk across the room. In these circumstances, he added, Dr. McTougall had agreed to visit my poor people for me until I should recover. "'You see,' continued the footman, "'I only heard a little of their conversation. "'Dr. McTougall was saying when I come into the room, "'Well, Mr. Mellon,' he said, "'you must of necessity remain where you are, "'and you could not, let me tell you, be in better quarters. "'I will look after your patients till you are able to go about again, "'which won't be long, I hope, "'and I'll make a particular note of your old woman "'and send her some wine and things immediately. "'I suppose he meant you, ma'am.' added the footman but having to leave the room again owing to some of the children howling for jam and pudding i heard no more having thus delivered himself of his tale and parcel the tall footman took his leave with many expressions of good will now granny remarked young slider as he untied the parcel and spread its contents on the small deal table i've got a vague suspicion that the ouse which has gone to ashes is the very ouse in which dr mellon put his little dog last night cause why ain't it the same identical street and the same side of the street and what about the same part of the street and didn't both him and me forget to ask the name of the people of the ouse or to look at the number so took up was we with parting from punch what more natural than for him to go round on his way back to look at the ouse supposing he was too late to call then didn't that six-footer say a terrier dog was rescued from the lower premises to be sure there's many a terrier dog in london but then didn't he likewise say that the governess of the family is a pretty gal what more likely than that she's my young lady all that you see granny is what magistrates would call presumptuous evidence but i'll go and inquire for myself this very evening when you're all settled and comfortable and when i got mrs jones to look arter you that evening accordingly when robin slider as i shall now call him was away making his inquiries dr mctougall called on mrs willis she was very weak and low at the time the memory of her lost edie had been heavy upon her and she felt strangely disinclined to talk the kindly doctor did not disturb her more than was sufficient to fully investigate her case. 
when about to depart he took mrs jones into the passage now my good woman he said i hope you will see the instructions you heard me give to mrs willis carried out she is very low but with good food and careful nursing may do well can you give her much of your time law sir yes i'm a lone woman sir with nothing to do but take care of myself and i'm that fond of mrs willis she's like my own mother very good and what of this boy who has come to live with her do you think he is steady to be depended on indeed i do sir replied mrs jones with much earnestness though he did come from nowheres particular and don't belong to nobody he's a good boy is little slider and a better nurse than you'll find in all hospitals i wish i had found him at home will you give him this card and tell him to call on me tomorrow morning between eight and nine let him ask particularly for me dr mctougall i'm not in my own house but in a friend's at present i was burnt out of my house last night oh sir exclaimed mrs jones with a shocked expression yes accidents will happen you know to the most careful among us mrs jones said the little doctor with a smile as he drew on his gloves good evening take care of your patient now i am much interested in her case because of the young doctor who visits her sometimes dr mellon exclaimed the woman yes you know him know him i should think i do he has great consideration for the poor ah he is a gentleman is mr mellon he's more than a gentleman mrs jones said the little doctor with a kindly nod as he turned and hurried away it may perhaps seem to savor of vanity and egotism my recording this conversation but i do it chiefly for the purpose of showing how much of hearty gratitude there is for mere trifles among the poor for the woman who was thus complimentary to me never received a farthing of money from my hands and i am not aware of ever having taken notice of her except now and then wishing her a respectful good evening and making a few inquiries as to her health that night dr mctougall came to me on returning from his rounds to report upon my district i was in bed at the time and suffering from considerable pain from my bruised and swollen limb dumps was lying at my feet dried refreshed and none the worse for his adventures i may mention that i occupied a comfortable room in the house of the city man who insisted on my staying with him until i should be quite able to walk to my lodgings as dr mctougall had taken my district a brief note to mrs miff my landlady relieved my mind of all anxieties professional and domestic so that my doggie and i could enjoy ourselves as well as the swollen leg would permit my dear young friend said the little doctor as he entered your patients are all going on admirably and as i mean to send my assistant to them regularly you may make your mind quite easy i've seen your old woman too and she is charming i don't wonder you lost your heart to her your young protege however was absent the scamp but he had provided a good nurse to take his place in the person of mrs jones i know her well said i she is a capital nurse little slider has i am told been here in your absence but unfortunately the maid who opened the door to him would not let him see me as i happened to be asleep at the time however he'll be sure to call again 
"'But you have not yet told me how Miss Blythe is.' "'Well, I've not had time to tell you,' replied the doctor with a smile. "'I'm sorry to say she is rather feverish. "'The excitement and exposure to the night air were a severe trial to her. "'For although she is naturally strong, it is not long since she recovered from a severe illness.' "'Nothing, however, surprises me so much "'as the way in which my dear wife has come through it all. "'It seems to have given her quite a turn in the right direction. "'Why, she used to be as timid as a mouse. "'Now she scoffs at burglars. "'After what occurred last night, "'she says she will fear nothing under the sun. "'Isn't it odd? "'As for the children, "'I'm afraid the event has roused all that is wild and savage in their natures.' They were kicking up a horrible shindy when I passed the dining room, the hospital, as Dobson calls it. So I opened the door and peeped in. There they were, all standing up on their beds, shouting, Fire! Fire! Police! Police! Engines! Escapes! Come quick! Silence! I shouted. Oh, Papa! They screamed in delight. What do you think we've had for supper? Well, what? Pudding and jam, pudding and jam, nearly all jam. Then they burst again into a chorus of yells for engines and fire escapes, while little Dolly's voice rang high above the rest. Pudding and dam, all dam, please, please, fire and thieves, as I shut the door. But now, a word in your ear before I leave you for the night. Perhaps it may not surprise you to be told that I have an extensive practice, after getting into a new house, which I must do immediately, I shall want an assistant, who may, in course of time, perhaps, become a partner. Do you understand? Are you open to a proposal? My dear sir, said I, your kindness is very great, but you know that I am not yet. Yes, yes, I know all about that. I merely wish to inject an idea into your brain and leave it there to fructify. Now, go to sleep, my dear young fellow, and let me wish you agreeable dreams. With a warm squeeze of the hand and a pleasant nod, my new friend said good night and left me to my meditations. End of chapter 7